This is Midlife Mastery, session number five. Welcome to the Midlife Mastery podcast, where getting control of your time, your money, and your life are the keys to an amazing second act. If living authentically matters to you, then you're in the right place. And now, here's your host, Peter Fritz. This episode of Midlife Mastery is brought to you by Fizzle.co. Fizzle is an online training resource library for independent entrepreneurs who'd like to make a living doing something that they love. They have a nine-stage roadmap which will guide you right through from the very beginning of your original idea through to a successful and scalable business. They also have some incredible founder story interviews there with other independent entrepreneurs who've built their business from scratch. There is also a very engaging online community there at Fizzle, comprised of other members who are there to support and encourage you. They are offering a five-week free trial to all listeners of Midlife Mastery. All you need to do is go to midlifetribe.com slash fizzle, and you can get full access to the entire course library, the founder stories, and the community to try it out for five weeks and see what you think. Give it a go. I guarantee you won't be disappointed. I've got some news for you. You're going to die one day. Maybe even soon. When that day arrives, as you're laying there in hospital with tubes hanging out of you and gasping your last, all the distractions you indulged and all the crap that you accumulated are going to mean exactly naught. It's kind of foolish, isn't it? I mean, how do we allow ourselves to become so busy, so swamped with demand for our attention that we forget to just be? You might say, well, you know, I'll sort this out one day, I'll prioritise my life and get my house in order and give myself some time to appreciate life and smell the roses. I know you want to do that. Sometimes you might even try. But we tend to be creatures of habit and it's always easy for us to revert back to the old habit because it's just too hard and there's, well, too much to do. Listen to me. You won't be here forever. One day the music will stop. The question is, will the music still be in you when that happens? Like a lot of people in our age group, you're probably doing way too much of the wrong work and you're probably wasting too much money on the wrong things. This busy work that you do doesn't make you more important and the crap that you keep buying doesn't bring lasting pleasure. I'm sure a lot of what you do feels important, but it just isn't. Here's how I know. If it doesn't resonate with who you truly are, if it doesn't truly matter to you, well, it's probably not important. If the work you're doing each day doesn't bring you closer to your true purpose, then you're squandering time. And if it pulls you further away from the things that you value most, like your family, your freedom, your peace of mind, your health, or your natural talents and passions, well, in my view, it doesn't rate. Now, please don't confuse unimportant with necessary work. You're always going to have some of that. Even doing the things you love, done long enough, becomes a job. But if that necessary work is an essential component of your important work, well, you don't resent it. You suck it up. You embrace it. Finding your purpose and the work to go along with all of that is, well, it's a whole book. It's probably lots of books. So I'm not going to try and teach you that here. But what I will give you is a hit list of culprits that consume our time and therefore our lives. All of these things can take an incredible hold over us and our capacity to step back, assess our lives and blaze a trail of our own making. My view is that you should always simplify, cull, or outsource as many of these as you can. The first one is email. Never leave it running in the background. Switch off all the alerts, and if at all possible, remove it from your phone. How productive do you think you'd be if someone tapped you on the shoulder every five minutes and went, bing, in your ear? 
turn it off. The world won't end. You'll get a lot more done. You'll do it faster. And it'll probably be a better quality too. Never check your email first thing in the morning. Instead, decide the day before what your three most important tasks are and spend at least two or three hours on the first one before you even check your email. I don't check mine until 10.30 in the morning and then again at 2.30 and then at 4.30. Uh, which brings me to the next point. Never check your mail just before you finish off the day. The tension and the nervous back-of-mind distraction it creates impacts your evening and possibly the quality of your sleep. Limit yourself to somewhere between two and four checks a day, and then that's it. Like I said, I check mine in the morning, mid-afternoon, and then less than an hour before I finish for the day. Stay away from it on the weekends if you can, um, and you know, enjoy your time. Enjoy your time off. Another common problem and thief of our time is vexatious or unproductive clients. I think the 80-20 rule is pretty relevant here. 20% of your clients probably comprise about 80% of your income. So focus on them. Delight them at every turn and show them how important they are. Sometimes the best thing you can say to someone, especially clients, is no. We spend so much of our time at work, the least we can do is use that time effectively, efficiently, and with people who actually make our work enjoyable. Focus on the 20%, the ones who respect your work, and who are happy to pay you for your talents, then recommend an alternative person or business to serve the remainder. You'll sleep better, you'll enjoy your work more, and you'll deliver better results for those you serve. In all likelihood, you'll end up earning a lot more too, because those 20 percenters will refer you to others who are just like them. I remember years ago, I had a particular client who was enormously vexatious. I mean, if you look up the word vexatious in the dictionary, there had to be a picture of this guy there. He was just terrible. This was back in the day when I was working sometimes 24 hours straight. Uh, my day job, you know, during the day, and then I would do freelance stuff at night, often right through to the next day. Uh, it wasn't uncommon for me to be working on his stuff at three in the morning. And he would email me at three or four in the morning as well. And I remember on one occasion, he went absolutely ballistic at me the next time we had a meeting because I hadn't responded to his email at, in the middle of the night when he'd sent it. It's just insane. I remember it was so bad that um, a couple of nights later, I actually had what was later described to me as a mild heart attack. Uh, I remember getting up in the middle of the night. This is one of those rare nights where I actually went to bed before sunup and had this terrible pain down my left arm. And uh, I went into the lounge room and sat down for a few minutes, sort of panting my way through this thing, realizing that this might be the end for me. Um, and it was frightening. We had um, a little baby girl at that time, and the whole thought of you know leaving my kid without a father was terrifying. So the next day, um, I went and got myself checked out, and it turned out that yes, I'd had a heart attack that night, um, and I contacted this client of mine, and I sacked him. And it didn't go down well. He was absolutely furious again. Uh, he didn't need much reason to be furious. He was just that kind of person. But um, it was unpleasant, but it had to be finished um, because he was literally killing me. The good part of the story is that um, I think a couple of years later, he was the subject of a massive class action against him by a lot of unhappy clients. And um, his wife caught him cheating and divorced him and left him with basically nothing. So all's well that ends well. Anyway, Getting back to our topic of things that take our time away from us, um, the next big one is television and any iDevice, any you know portable 
personal mobile device. Um, I don't really think I need to explain this one, but I'm going to give you a couple of sobering stats. Uh, in Australia, the average Australian watches over three hours of TV a day. In America, it's over five hours a day. So that's nine years of TV in a lifetime. Nine continuous years of television in a lifetime. Pay TV has seen rapid growth in Australia over the last couple of years, and uh, you know, iDevice content, mobile device content, uh, has outgrown Pay TV by a significant margin. Now, let me give you, give you some of the stats from YouTube. YouTube has over a billion users, almost one third of all people on the internet. YouTube overall, and even YouTube on mobile alone, reaches more 18 to 49 year olds than any cable network in the US. The growth in watch time on YouTube is up at least 50% year over year for three years straight. And the number of people watching YouTube a day is up 40% year on year since March 2014. We're passive lazy content consumers and the cost is in order of magnitude greater than the cost of a streaming service or an internet plan. It's time. Don't waste it staring at a screen. Get out there and do something. Another big one here is consumerism. Let me ask you a question. If you had to leave your city or town tonight and never return, what would you take with you? I'm guessing that just a handful of items would make the cut, wouldn't they? Sometimes I fantasise about coming home and finding it burned to the ground. It'd be inconvenient, yes, but it would also be, also be wonderfully liberating, I reckon. Starting with a clean slate devoid of all the crap that I've accumulated over these years would be incredible. I mean, there'd be a few things I'd miss, of course, some irreplaceable objects, but so long as my family was safe and the other things, you know, they could live in my memories. That's enough. The things we don't actively use and the things that don't contribute true pleasure eventually end up owning us. They become a subtle intrusion into our subconscious. That's why spring cleaning and purging unwanted goods are such a satisfying exercise. They lighten the psychological load. And this explains the monumental rise of minimalism too. We've been slaves to consumption for so long that I think we're all starting to wake up to the fact that it's creating this incredible and unnecessary burden in our lives, not just financially, but psychologically as well. The habitual consumption of consumer products is never a road to happiness or financial success. To purge and simplify is the high road to wealth and enlightenment, in my view. The alternative is to amuse yourself to death. Roger Waters has got a song uh, of the same title, and if you listen to that, you'll understand what I'm on about. Indulgences like fashion, fancy toys, expensive dinners, and new shiny syndrome all conspire to keep us, keep us on the endless treadmill of working to consume. One of the uh, other big time wasters in our life is the wrong people. Now, this one's a bit touchy, of course, because many of us didn't choose our friends. More often than not, they're friends of circumstance, people that we met through a common interest or activity or another person. But if you understand that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, then it's really incumbent on you to be vigilant over who's setting your life's agenda. And the same goes for family members, well-intentioned as they might be. If you want to spring clean your life and start blazing a trail of your own, you need to examine your influences because they have a huge impact on the expectations you set for yourself, the beliefs you hold, and then the decisions that you make. By eliminating all the crap in your life, the things that rob you of your time and your hard-earned money, the rewards come to you on two fronts. First of all, you have more time to enjoy your life now and all the things that truly matter. Plus, you have more money to put into the things that enrich your life later. I advocate learning how to invest wisely. 
Invest your time in your family and your heartfelt passions and invest your money in growth assets that can deliver peace of mind now and freedom into the future. It's not rocket science, but the second part does require some education. It's never something you should leave solely to others because no one cares more about your financial future than you do. So I recommend you get educated. Take the time to learn what you need to know. Step forward methodically as a student of the subject and reap the benefits for yourself. Don't abdicate responsibility for this to other people. Your life's happening right now. It won't begin at some mile marker in the future. I've said it many times before that the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago. Second best time is today. Now, that's not my saying, of course. That's a you know famous old chestnut. I don't know who first coined it. But, you know, it's true. The best time to get yourself ready for a good life is today. Don't put it off, you know, till 10 years from now. Resolve to cut all the crap from your life and set out on a new path towards the life that you seek. I can promise you that the mountaintop is far less crowded than the valley below and the view is much better too. Thanks for listening to the Midlife Mastery Podcast. For more ideas on creating the perfect second act, go to midlifetribe.com and learn how to master your time, your money and your life.